Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Open up your Bibles to the book of James. We're going to be reading from James chapter 1. Let me give you a little bit of background before we dive into James chapter 1. Two weeks ago, we read about a congregation in Jerusalem in Acts 2, 42 to 47, that had devoted itself, had become adherents of, of God's word. We read in, in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we, we learned that when they devoted the, themselves to those four wildly important things, those four wildly important goals, God blessed that congregation and all kinds of amazing things began to happen there. And even people in the community of Jerusalem were attracted to come and learn more about this guy, Jesus Christ, and what he had done for them. Well, this morning, we're reading a, 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 a little piece from a book Uh, the book of James. And James is an interesting person because he happens to be Jesus' half-brother. And James did not himself always believe in Jesus as the promised Messiah. I think you may recall from the Gospels that James and his brothers actually doubted and thought that Jesus had gone a little off-kilter at one point. But later on in his life, James becomes not only a believer, he becomes a leader in the church and, um, and, and becomes the leader of the congregation at Jerusalem. He's writing this 15 to 20 years after the description of that first Jerusalem congregation, after Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension into heaven. I'll tell you a little bit later some of the things that have happened in those 15 or 20 years that caused James to say some of the things that we're going to hear him say this morning. But for now, let's just dig in to, uh, to James chapter 1. And, uh, and we'll start at verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent... And humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom... And continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Let me ask you a question. You struggle sometimes in life? Do you have hurts, habits, hang-ups that really get to you and, and shake you at times, maybe right down to the core and make you doubt some of the things that you've been taught since you were a child, make you even wonder if there is such a thing as God? You sometimes find yourself hanging on to faith, maybe feeling like you're hanging on just by a thread. 
Well, I don't think that's all that unusual. I know there have been times like that even for me. In fact, more than a few. Because life can be brutal at times. Life is going to spin out so many challenges, one right after another. And, and we have to remember, we're not just talking about this at regular everyday life, which spins out enough challenges of its own, but we're also talking about what's behind the veil, the spiritual enemies that we have, that the Bible tells us about, Satan and the world and our own sinful flesh that are going to spin out temptations and its own set of spiritual challenges and troubles and guilt and shame. It's no wonder sometimes we're going to feel like we're literally hanging on by a thread. So here's the question for us this morning. How am I going to develop a real faith, a real faith that is going to be preparing me for the real life that I'm going to be living, that I have to live, because it's coming at me daily like a locomotive. You see, when we talk here at Crosswalk about what kind of church does God want us to be, that's what this series is really all about, this Back to the Future Church series. It's about what kind of church does God want Crosswalk to be? We can't go without saying God wants this church to be a church that works at deepening and strengthening every last person's faith and preparing them to have a real faith for a real life. We talked already about those four wildly important goals. Two weeks ago, we said God wants our church to be focused like that Jerusalem church was on the apostles teaching the Bible, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, communion, and prayer. Last week, Pastor Phil came and he said, a church that's a God-pleasing church is not going to be inwardly focused. It's going to be outwardly focused. It's going to be constantly looking to how can I reach someone else. And we just heard Phil talk about the importance of some of the events that we do, like Trunk or Treat, in the effort to reach out and not just be focused on ourselves, but on those who haven't heard about Christ yet. Well, today we're going to talk about how we build faith discipleship, how we strengthen it so that it's a real faith for a real life. We're going to talk about developing the kind of faith that is strong, steady, consistent, persevering, faith that can hang through all of real life's difficulty. And that begins really with a study of this word discipleship. You know what a disciple is? If you look into the original language of the New Testament, the Greek, the word disciple is actually the word mathetes. And that word, an interesting word, actually has levels of meaning. A mathetes could be a person who was simply a student, a person who's new to things. And you've probably been there with something before. I know uh, most of us can relate to going back and learning how to drive a car and reading that book for the very first time and trying to memorize all the facts about, okay, how far before the stoplight do I have to turn my turn signal in and how do, how do I parallel park again? And you're reading the book. At that point, it's all about book learning and trying to get all the facts down. You're a pupil. You're behind a desk. But mathetes means more than that. It also means 
an apprentice. A person who finally, I guess in my metaphor, you'd say they get their learner's permit. And dad gets in the car with him or mom gets in the car with him or they they go to one of the driving schools and now you're behind the wheel. Disciple is someone who's actually walking alongside of someone else and learning not only the facts, but how do I how do I live this? How do I do this? You're an apprentice. That's not the final step. A disciple is also what we might call an adherent. Now think about that word adherent. There's so much more in that word, isn't there? Because when I am an adherent of something, that means I am really devoted to it as a cause. In fact, I told you two weeks ago that that word, they were devoted, that very word also means they were adhering to the apostles' teaching. Let me just start today by asking you to do a little self-evaluation. Where are you sitting here today on that continuum? Are you a a person who is a pupil? And maybe all this new stuff is just coming at you and you feel like you're drinking water from a fire hose to learn so much stuff about God at one time. Holy cow, there are a lot of things to learn about this God and this guy, Jesus Christ. Or are you an apprentice? You're saying, you know what? I've been learning this for a while and now I'm really ready to start living it. And you're taking those tentative steps outward and you're beginning to not only just hear it as factual knowledge as stuff that you're supposed to store up here but it's starting to drift down into here and it's beginning to drift even further down into your hands and your feet and you're beginning to actually practice put into practice what you're hearing now you're an apprentice or are you fully devoted Are you an adherent? Someone who says, man, what Jesus Christ has done for me is unbelievable. His grace, his forgiveness, his love, his journey to the cross to forgive my sins, my sins. That is unbelievable. And I I can't do anything else but follow him wherever he leads me. And try, to, and try to put into practice in every corner of my life what I'm reading in the Bible. Where are you at? And let me warn you, there's, there's something that sometimes happens with people who are in the middle part of this. The people who are um, apprentices. I can, I can tell you it's happened to me as a, as a motorcyclist. I went through the course. I got the book learning. I took the course where I was an apprentice, and there was someone there showing me how to, uh, to ride it. But quite honestly, I'm still a once-in-a-while motorcycle rider. I ride it back and forth to work sometimes, back and forth to church, around when I feel like it. 
put me on a racetrack with that motorcycle, I would be scared out of my wits. Even ask me to do certain things on the city streets of Phoenix with drivers the way they are. And I'm, I'm a little scared. I, in other words, I've kind of stalled out a little bit in that apprentice stage. And you know what? That can happen to us as Christ followers, too. We can get into that apprentice stage and say, you know what? That's enough for me. I'm, I'm happy where I'm at as an apprentice. And I don't really want to go on and become one of those crazy adherents. And I'm going to challenge that view this morning. And I want to start by asking you to look at a passage that I put in your crosswalk notes and ask this simple question. What kind of disciple is Jesus looking for when he says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 10, verse 39? You can see it there in your crosswalk notes. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Is he looking for just a pupil? Someone to sit behind a desk and learn more facts from the Bible? Is he looking for an apprentice, someone who says, I'll try a few tentative steps out there? Or, or a person who says, I'll, I'll kind of ride it around a little bit on a daily basis when I feel like it, like I ride my motorcycle? Or is he looking for someone who is an adherent when he says, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it? I didn't put this in your crosswalk notes, but a little bit later, a few chapter later, uh, chapters later in the same book of Matthew, Jesus says the same thing again. Now, watch what he adds to it this time. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good, he adds, will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What's he saying there? He's saying that the reason he wants you and me to become an adherent is because souls are on the line. Eternal souls are the stakes here. And there is something that comes after this life for you and me and for our souls. And there's nothing, Jesus says, more valuable than our souls. And so once we're on this path, this continuum, Jesus is saying, keep on going all the way to becoming an adherent. And part of this series is, is really to remember for ourselves, even from the beginning, what kind of a church did Crosswalk set out to be? And I want to read to you something from our vision statement. And Scott will put it up so that you can read it along with us. Here's what it says. Crosswalk will be a place where the Christ follower is challenged and strengthened by the Spirit working through the Word of God and spurred on by the encouragement of fellow Christ followers to become what? What does it say? Fully developed followers of Christ. Adherents. In other words, if you're here, you are in effect saying, I'm raising my hand. I'm signed up. I'm ready. I'm ready to be challenged. 
I'm ready to be strengthened. I'm ready to be encouraged to become a fully developed follower of Christ and adherent. Now, where does that start? And now we'll go back to the book of James. What we read. What does he say? He says, therefore, get rid of something, huh? Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Amazing words, huh? It starts with humility. Circle that word humbly, will you? Circle it. It starts with the humility of saying, you know what? I need a Savior. (laughs) Because I am sinful. I do have hang-ups and habits that are not right in God's sight. I have guilt and shame that are real. And I have done things that I know God has set the bar here, and I am way, way down here, not even close. We need to start with that humility that, as that verse says, is willing to admit that moral filth, that evil, that's not just out there. That's right in here. And humbly, he says... Accept the word that confronts me, God's law, and tells me by nature who I really am. Something not very beautiful from God, an enemy of God, dead to God. I need to humbly accept that word because that word is the word that will lead me to a better word later on, the word of the gospel. Take a look at Ephesians 2.1. Notice what Paul says to the Ephesians. As for you, here's where I want you to start. Remember what you were before you knew Christ. You were dead in your transgressions and your sins. And that explains why James is so insistent. He says, get rid of this stuff, this, this moral filth, this evil that's in you. And it also explains why the first disciples got so excited when they saw Jesus Christ. I put a verse in your crosswalk notes. Check it out. The very first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him we, find, we found the Messiah, that is Christ. You know, that's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. Some of these guys have been hanging out with John the Baptist. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist points to Jesus and says, there's the Messiah, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And they begin to listen to Jesus. And they realize the message. And not only for them is this the guy that's fulfilling all the prophecies that they've heard about for their entire lives from the Old Testament, it's the guy that, as John the Baptist says, can take away the sins of the world and therefore he can take away my sins, my moral filth, my evil. He can make it all go away and disappear because he can forgive it. He is the Messiah. And what does he do? What's the first thing Andrew does? He runs and he finds his brother and he says, come on, there's this guy that you've got to meet. You've got to know that we found the chosen one, the Messiah, Jesus Christ. 
Maybe you're sitting here today because you have an Andrew in your life. Someone who said, come on, let's go check out Crosswalk. Let's go see what's going on over there. Maybe he or she invited you to come to this church. And you haven't been to church, maybe ever, maybe in a very long time. And maybe you're curious. Maybe you're at that point where you just want to know what it means to be a student. And that's okay. Because everyone has to start somewhere. And I want to talk to you if that's where you're at this morning, because I want you to know exactly how you can take that first step of becoming a student. And the Apostle Paul beautifully answers that question for us in Romans chapter 10, a passage that I put in your crosswalk notes. Check this out. He says, but what does it say? The word is near you. It is. It's right here in this church. It's near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart as you listen this morning. That is the word of faith that we are proclaiming. Paul said that 2,000 years ago, and I'm saying it to you today. And now if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Isn't that an amazing statement? Now I told you before there's a continuum. But what that verse says is the most amazing thing in the world. That you don't have to progress to the end of the continuum to be saved. You don't have to become an adherent to have eternal life. Paul is saying, just by taking the first step and saying, I'm now a student. I'm ready to say, Jesus is Lord. And I believe that in my heart. What does Paul say? And you are saved right there. It's as if taking the very first step is crossing the end zone line, touchdown with God. You've got it all. Now, God doesn't want you to stop there at being a student, but you already have the entire reward. And now the rest of your life is going to be spent solidifying your faith, making it stronger, not just for yourself, but because now you can help others by developing your faith. So if you're sitting there today and you're asking yourself, how do I know? How do I know if I'm ready to become a student, to take that first step? It's right there in the book of Romans. Are you ready to confess with your mouth to say, Jesus is Lord, and do you believe it in your heart? Here's our first point, and it comes right out of that verse and what what James is saying to us. Humbly accept the word of God planted in you. Our first point is God calls me to extend my heart toward his son, Jesus Christ, and express my faith. But now some of you might be saying, Pastor, if all I have to do is that, if all I have to do do is believe, you make it sound so so easy. Those of you who are um, apprentices, who are adherents, might be scratching your head a little bit and saying, Pastor, I, I... I hope you warn these people that you just talked to a little bit. Because in my experience, the whole thing of being a believer is not as easy as it might at first sound. Yes, salvation is by grace alone. 
God has done it all. He's fully sufficient for our salvation, forgiven all our sins, given us all his righteousness. But now as we begin to take that walk and as we progress on that walk, from being a student to an apprentice to an adherent, it isn't always easy, is it? And you might be asking, why is believing such hard work for me? Why do I find my heart constantly filled with doubts and fears? Why do I find it so hard to drag myself to church some mornings, to sign up for a growth group, or just to sit quietly with a cup of coffee and read my Bible? You'd think that would be so easy, but it's not for me. Why do I find it so hard to love my neighbor? Why is it so difficult to resist temptations? Every day. Why is this thing believing, even at the apprentice level, so tough? Well, the answer to that question really goes back to that Ephesians 2 1 passage. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And as a believer, you no longer are dead. But guess what? A little bit of that death, that Weakness, what Paul calls the sinful nature, will always remain in you and with you until you die. And at that point, God will remove it permanently, but not until then. And that sinful nature, our captivity to sin, is going to be constantly taking you, just like some action movie, and trying to drag your feet right back to death. And that's why we have to be constantly on the guard and saying, how do I develop and strengthen my faith more and more? Because that sinful nature, and along with the sinful nature, Satan and the world around us is constantly trying to pull us back into captivity. Look at what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 7. This is a guy who is a believer. In fact, when he's writing this, I think we could call him an adherent, right? And this is what he says. We know that the law is spiritual. But I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. There's still some captivity in me. There's still some slavery to sin in me. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And you can see this played out, not just in Paul, but throughout the Bible. We see a man like Abraham lying to cover himself. A man like Jacob scheming to get what he wants in life. A man like Jonah running exactly 180 degrees the other way when God sends him on a mission. We see his Jesus' disciples in a storm-tossed boat with Jesus sleeping right next to them going, What are we going to do? We're all going to drown. We see even a man like Peter, one of Jesus' most devoted followers, part of the inner three, Peter, James, and John, At one point, having Jesus turn around on him and say, Peter, right now, you are Satan. Satan is in you to say such things. And then later on, despite that warning, that same disciple denied Jesus more than once. Because those powerful forces are always, always trying to drag us back to that dead state that we have left. And there's only one that can prevent that being dragged backward. And that's the gospel. The gospel is the power that makes in the first place and then further develops us as disciples. 
The gospel's that power. And that's why Paul tells the leaders of the congregation at Ephesus, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among those who are sanctified. Paul commits them to the word of grace, and that's an important thing. Will you you circle the word grace there? Notice what he doesn't say. He does not say, I commit you to the commandments. He doesn't say, I commit you to the rules. He doesn't say, I commit you to the rituals. I commit you to the word of grace. Because that's where the power is. Grace, God's constant, faithful, always putting the first foot forward love that he has toward you, even though we've done everything possible not to deserve that love. His faithful love is always there, his forgiveness, his mercy. And you can be assured it's always there because what did Jesus say when he died on that cross? What were, the, what were the words that he uttered right before he said, Father, into your hands, I, I commend my spirit. He said, it is finished. Your salvation is a done deal. You can sit here in this church today, and if someone were to come in and ask any one of you, are you sure that you're going to heaven? Absolutely sure. You know what you could say? Of course I am. And not because of anything I've ever done. I'm absolutely sure because Jesus is the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. And that Lamb of God hanging on the cross says, it's finished. It's a done deal. I'm in heaven through Christ. And I'm sure of that. And that's an amazing truth. And it's why Paul says, this is what I commend your faith to. This is what can build you up the word of grace now god wants you to be equipped with that word of grace but he also wants you to be thoroughly equipped and i want you to take a look at second timothy 3 16 and 17 take a look at that all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting training in righteousness so that the man of god may be Thoroughly equipped, circle those words, for every good work. James wrote this book, as I mentioned earlier, to a group of Christians that were 15 or 20 years removed from that Jerusalem congregation. Remember, we've called this sermon series Ancient Power and Purpose for Today's Church. Let me talk to you about what was going on in that ancient church. After that initial congregation came together, there was a lot of persecution. There were very tough economic times in Jerusalem, even a famine. And people began, because of the persecution and the tough economic times, to scatter around the whole Mediterranean world. And what happened to them is what can sometimes typically happen to people who move away from that place where they found their spiritual core. They began to drift. 
those who were adherents maybe slid back and became more like apprentices. And those who were apprentices slid back and became more like students. And they began not only not to really dig in and be fully devoted as they had been in Jerusalem, they began to feel like they didn't have to really put God's word into practice in their lives. They could live however they want. And the, world, the world's influences in their new home places began to have more of an influence on them than them being light and salt in the communities where they were. That's what happened. And I'll wager that's something that can happen to any of us as Christians if we're not fully devoted to the apostles' teaching and ready to become thoroughly equipped by reading and studying God's word. As Paul tells Timothy, here's what I want you to teach people, he says. Remember, Paul's training Timothy to be a pastor. Now, remember this, Timothy, he says. All of scripture, circle that word all, too. We need to fully explore all of scripture because it's all given by God. It's all God-breathed, and it's useful. Are you coming to this church because it's a nice diversion for you on a Sunday morning? And you want to hear a few more things about how Jesus wants you to live, but you're saying to yourself, I don't know how I'm going to use this stuff? Then look at that passage. And I'm, I'm going to get under your skin a little bit this morning. I'll just be upfront and blunt with you. We just got through, in some ways, the best sign-up period in growth group history. We set a record. 200 growth group sign-ups, and that is a phenomenal thing. But I want you to think about this. How many adults regularly attend here each and every Sunday? 350 to 400. So now how does that 200 sign-ups look? And we're calling that a record for signups for growth groups. And I want you to think about this. An attendance of 400 probably means that we're touching people on a regular basis because not everybody attends every week. Probably more like five or 600 people who come regularly to church, but maybe not every week. Now what does that say about 200 people in growth groups? We celebrate God's blessing, and I celebrate it with you, that God has led more people than ever to join a growth group. But are we really, as a church, ready to say we want to become fully developed followers of Christ when we can only get a third of the people that are regularly coming to this church to attend a growth group? I know this is some pretty direct stuff. But let me tell you why I'm telling it to you. You have a Savior who loves you and who fully devoted his life to you. He devoted it all the way to the cross. And God, his Father, raised him from that grave to say, Look, here he is. This is real. He's your Savior, and He's done it, done it all for you. And by the way, 
Just so you know, you also have a pastor. This guy standing right here. Who cares enough about you to say to you, if you're not adhering, if you're not on that path to really growing, then you're going backwards. And there are some things, going all the way back to 101 class, for those of you who've been there, that you have committed to, and you've committed to them, not so much for me, but for God and for the development of your own faith. And as a church, we have to be serious about that and be fully committed to developing and going from being a student to an apprentice and finally to an adherent. I'm going to lay that on your hearts this morning. Take a look at point number two. God desires me to fully explore his words and promises. Last point. Why, why did those people in that congregation so fully adhere? And why did God bless them? Remember what that, that Acts 2 passage says? Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were being done there. The believers were together. They had everything in common. They sold their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Because they were not just hearing it. They were living it. And now I want you to go back to what James says. Go back to the front of your crosswalk notes. Reread that. Look at what he says. Do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. We are to look after one another and to care for people and to love people as much as we love God, and to put it into practice. Grace is not some sort of of get-out-of-jail-free card that says, now I can live my life however I want. Just the opposite. Grace is that amazing thing that motivates us to love God and to, to love one another. And that's why we want to get on to the maturity cycle. Pull out your crosswalk notes. i got a couple of words. You want to build your faith into that kind of faith that was present in the Acts 2 church and that was sliding away from the people in James' day? It's as simple as this. First of all, listen to God's word. We talked about that. But here's the other part. Put it into practice. As we listen to God's word, 
then that's going to motivate us. That gospel message of Jesus' forgiveness and love is going to, let's go try this. I want to go love someone else now, just like Jesus loved me. But then what's going to happen as you do that is you're going to meet sin in yourself and in the world around you. And you're going to go, wow, this is harder than I thought. And you're going to stumble. You're going to find it difficult and challenging. And you're going to say, where do I get the strength to continue? Guess what? Swing back up to God's word because that's where the strength is. And then you're going to be re-motivated and re-challenged. And as you cycle that, I want you to turn that cycle on its head now. Guess what happens? It becomes a powerful tornado. Cycling between listening to God's word daily and putting it into practice that will lift your faith up and strengthen it and root it deeply until you become an adherent of Jesus Christ. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount, the very last words. Take a look at Matthew 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Everyone who does what? Hears these words and puts them into practice is the wise man who built his house on a rock. But, he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And Jesus continues. He says, the wind came, the rain came, and that storm hit that house, the house of the foolish man, and it fell with a great crash. That's what we don't want to have happen. You and I are not meant to stay on a plateau. We're meant to keep on growing and learning and building and developing our faith to deepening those roots. Faith that's not getting stronger daily. I've said it before. It's getting weaker daily. And we must exercise our faith just like we have to exercise our muscles to make it grow. Paul says this. We're taught, he said. To exercise our faith by taking off, getting rid of our former way of life, putting off our old self. That's being corrupted by its deceitful desires. But me made new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You want your faith to really get strong? Fix that maturity cycle in your head. Study and read and listen to God's words and promises and then put them into practice every day in your life. They are useful, Paul says to Timothy. So here's our last point. God wills and strengthens me to fully execute his words and promises. Real faith for a real life. It starts by our extending our hearts and expressing, confessing our faith in Jesus. And then it continues when we fully explore everything that God has to say to us in his words and promises. And finally, it fully blossoms when we put ourselves on the maturity cycle. And we're ready to execute God's words and promises in our lives. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much that you have...
called us to develop our faith, to become your disciples. Lord, wherever people are in this room today, I ask you to motivate all of us to, to take our faith to the next level. Lord, humbly again we come before you, and the very first thing we recognize when we say that is, there is no way for us to do that on our own. It is you who works in us both to will and to do according to your good pleasure. We need your strength, your wisdom. We need your word of grace. We can't do it. It's impossible for us. But with you, Lord, all things are possible. Make every heart in this room dedicated to becoming an adherent of Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.